0: Well, it's our final Sunday. For those of us heading out to Plant Redemption Church, let me give you a quick word of update in case you know people might be interested in visiting Redemption. Maybe they're up on the west side Rio Rancho area. We will be starting next week meeting at 10 a.m. at the French's Funeral Home Chapel on Golf Course north of Paseo del Norte in between Paseo and Paradise right next to a Peter Piper Pizza and a Sonic. Um, so, Yes, we are birthing a church in a funeral home, <laughs> but we proclaim the one who has victory over death, so we will, pro- we will proclaim him there. We are blessed, French's has, um, because of some delays with the city of Rio Rancho, um, our, our location is still needing work to be done and completed, um, but French's has blessed us with allowing us to use their facility uh, for as long as we need it so we are uh, excited to get going and excited to uh, begin. Well, it's really a bittersweet occasion for us. On one hand, we're excited to see what Jesus is going to do at Redemption. We're excited to be part of a new gospel work in the city. On the other hand, it's hard to leave. On the other hand, it's we're going to miss Sunday mornings here. Um, and that's the way it should be. See, for me, Desert Springs is all I've known as a Christian. Uh, I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, but that was more of my parents' religion. I went because my parents made me when I was younger. Um, And I went to Catholic high school, but once I got to high school, I really started getting into drugs and pot. And Then I got to college, I started drinking and partying. I stopped going to church because I didn't have to. My parents weren't making me, so I stopped going. Uh, when people ask me, you know, well, what do you believe? What's your religious affiliation? I say, oh, I was a Christian. But for me, a Christian meant, well, oh, I believe there's a God. And he's up there somewhere, and he's doing his thing, and we're doing our thing. The only time I proclaimed the name Jesus was when I used his name in vain. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I was basically Agnostic. Life was pretty empty. I mean, just partying and barely staying eligible in college, just getting that C average. Uh, my motto was C's get degrees. Not a good motto for you kids. <laughs> I worked for the union basketball team as well. I got hired on by Coach Bliss in 98, and then worked for Coach Vashila, and then Coach McKay got hired on. Well, Richie was a Christian, his whole coaching staff were Christians. And he started sharing the gospel with me. And he shared it over a course of months, him and Coach Dedrickson, Coach Broussard, Coach Sussing, Coach Farmer. They all shared the gospel with me and I'd hear it from them and I'd see they just lived a different life. And one night around Thanksgiving time after just some hardcore partying waking up hungover, waking up, you know, just with some of the remnants of the night before on my leg and just going to work late and Coach Diederson just saying, man, I'm praying for you, love you. I remember getting in my car that night and driving around west side of Albuquerque just going, God, I don't know what this means. Now that I think about it, I actually said this right in Rio Rancho. But I'm going to follow you. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I turned on the Christian radio station because I thought that's what you do. Went home, started watching the Christian television. I thought, that's what you do. That's what you never should do. <laughs> and, I, and I started saying, well, who is this God? Who is this Jesus? And it took another month. I just, you know, I had a Bible, bought a Bible, and tried to look at it and just, I don't know what the heck this is. And it took about another month, some more parties, waking up. Finally going, okay, i got to go to church. And Richie and Scott and uh, Scott Diedrickson and Brad C.C. all went here to Desert Springs. I didn't know Desert Springs existed. A, I was like, what church does Richie go to? Oh, they go to Desert Springs. They go to Desert Springs. I'm like, Desert what? You go Catholic. You're like Saint something. <laughs> like Saint Springs? Desert Springs. Okay. i time tell this Finally, one Sunday morning, I woke up in time to make it. Got here late, hung over, scared. Walking in this place, a lot different than walking into a Roman Catholic Church. If you haven't noticed, didn't know anyone, the coaches weren't at this at the service I was at. I sat right over here, on the side, just kind of in the back, just kind of out of the way. Hopefully, you no know one sees me. Remember, remember we started singing, and that was different in the Roman Catholic Church. You don't usually just start like band going at it. Dean next to me just raised his hand singing. I'm like, oh, wow, you can ask questions during the song. It's <laughs> awesome. And I, I was just really scared and confused. I remember that Papa, uh, Papa, I call him Papa Bill, Bill Reed, was preaching that day. And he said, Open up to Ephesians. I was like, What? And, and someone's like, in the New Testament. I was like, in the new what? So I, 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 I started with my Bible, and found out quickly it wasn't alphabetized. I was <laughs> like, Genesis, ec- oh. And from there, I started a few months later attending a new ministry that was in the second week of existence called The Well. I wanted Christian friends. I didn't know any Christians my age, I needed the coaches, and that was it. So my Friday nights, my Saturday nights got really lonely um, and so I started attending the well I, Matt King was the pastor over the well he, I also knew him from the basketball team he had played for the Lobos uh, when I was with, under coach for and I remember ironically enough how much I disliked Matt King because of how much he talked about Jesus on the team How much I, when I was like oh during the time with Matt on the team I was like man this dude just won't shut up about Jesus It's funny how God works that way. Well, Matt took me under his wing. He's a year and a half younger than me, but he was my first mentor. And at the well, I started to learn more about God's word. I learned more about that God I said that night I was committed to following. I learned how much of a sinner I, I was and I am and how gracious God is towards me. So at DSC, I learned about the bigness and majesty of God. That's from my favorite verse in the Bible, in Isaiah 6. Where Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Matt also encouraged me, challenged me into understanding the beauty and comfort it found in the truth of God's sovereignty. With Romans 11.36, from, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And Ryan encouraging all of us, encouraging me to look at the glorious truths that can be found in small little verses of Scripture that he calls gospel nuggets. Where the gospel can be wrapped up really in one verse in some ways. My favorite, and if you were at the well when I taught it, you heard it almost every other week. I bet you some of these well people probably know where I'm going with that one. 2 Corinthians 5.21. If you're going to go to redemption, you're going to hear it a lot. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that we in him might become the righteousness of God. The well I got to know. Lauren Eisnogel. Ryan married us. Celebrated our three. The birth of our three kids. Dedicated them here. At DSC. I left UNM. To come work. At DSC scary move never working for a church and it was that first year at dsc i met a man named dave bruskus pastor of a church called city on a hill he's now a pastor at mars hill church sparked this crazy idea about church planting i had no idea what church planting was i was like that like an agricultural term or something and um he just gave me a book called planting missional churches by ed stetzer it's actually out in the resource center and I remember the first few nights I just read, the first 50, 60 pages, I looked at Lauren and said, this is what God's calling us to. And she was like, huh, really? We prayed and we said, That's, this is where we're going. That spark grew into a raging fire and desire to plant and lead out in making disciples and seeing lives like mine transformed by Jesus through a church plant. DSC encouraged when I went to them, they said, let us train you up, let us send you We want to send you out as an elder, we want to send you out, let us train you. And that was two, three years ago. They also allowed and encouraged me to participate in a specific church plant training through Mars Hill called Retrain, and to associate with the church planting network called Acts 29 that Redemption is part of. In August of 2010, Ryan preached a sermon talking about how DSC was going to send a church plant to Rio Rancho. He announced that I would be the planting pastor, the preaching pastor, sent out. Well, at that time, there was two, well, three families on board. Us, my parents. They were going there. We could have planted in Clovis. They would be there. I'm blessed. And Brian and Sherry Lopez. At that time, that's six adults and six kids. Today, almost 18 months later, we celebrate our final Sunday here, prepare to launch Redemption Church. Almost fifty adults and soon to be well over thirty kids. This is all I've known. I don't say this to boast in DSC, I don't say this to boast in leaders, I say this to boast in the Lord. And what he's done in my life and in many lives here at Desert Springs. This is bittersweet. This is not easy. This is now peace out, we're out. No, this is I'm excited. Man, I'm scared. I'm pumped. I'm gonna miss you. I've had emotional moments this week. Thursday, preparing for this, I'm just bawling at the coffee shop. I think the coffee barista thought I was crazy. But we're excited. we're going to miss it. So it's my final sermon here at DSC. Final sermon as far as being an elder of DSC. Final sermon as being a member of DSC. Final sermon as being a staff person at DSC. I want to look at what motivates a partnership like this with redemption and DSC and church planting and a plea to keep at it. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read it. It was really read to you by the video we saw, but I'll read it again. Verses 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy... And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had stated, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, you see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness and desire in it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased by and you you burdened. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need. That there may be fairness as is written. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Last week, Ryan gave a great sermon. Kind of summary, almost 30,000 foot view in some ways of Second Corinthians. And he kind of summarized it up with this line. Ever-increasing glory alongside ever-present weakness. Ever-increasing glory alongside ever-present weakness. We'll see that here a little bit today. So here's what's happening in Corinth. The Corinthians were probably more of an affluent, uh, affluent church. They are more upper-middle class, if you will. They would begun the work of providing and partnering with the church in Jerusalem, with providing for their relief. Their affliction. But as time went on, their enthusiasm and their generosity began to wane. They got really excited about something and then kind of let it. Yeah, I remember we did that one time. I remember we got excited for something. And as time went on, that generosity kind of went down, that excitement went down. And now Paul is wanting them to complete the efforts that they started. To return to that desire, to return to that generosity for the church in Jerusalem. He starts by telling them about the Macedonians, who were not that well off. In fact, they were more on the poor end compared to the Corinthians. And they were actually going through their own afflictions, their own trials. And Paul's saying they're not just partnering, but they're going at it with fire and passion. He says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, the Macedonians and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. The ways they gave gave was extravagant, not in how much they gave, not in the amount, but in the way that they gave it. So they gave beyond their means. In other words, they gave really almost more than they had. And not just that, they were begging to give more. They were begging to be part of it. And that was maybe hard for us to imagine at times, begging to give to the church. But that's what they were doing. He said they were so. Excited, They were so caught up in being part of a body that could partner with others and help each other out and being centered on who Christ is, that they were just saying, can we please give more? Yeah, we don't have much. Can we please give more? In fact, Paul says they, they offer themselves. He probably said, can we, can we help other ways? We don't have much money, but can we, can we, can we come down? Can we, what else can we give? What else can we do to be part of this? We want to join in this effort. It's surprising to Paul, in fact. Paul calls this an act of grace. The grace of God given to the church overflowing in generosity and wealth. Paul wants, out of love for the Corinthians, to see this heart that the Corinthians once had. He wants to see this return. He wants to see this act of grace in the lives of the church in Corinth like it is in Macedonia. He says this in verse 10, he says, And in this manner I give judgment. This benefits you who a year go started not only to do this work, but also desire to do it. So Paul is using the Macedonian church saying, I want, want you guys, and actually what some commentators say about the Macedonian church is they probably saw first the Corinthian church's desire to do it. And were inspired by that. And so Paul's right in saying there, they saw you get excited, go at it, generous, partnership. And now they want to be part of it, and they wanted to be part of it. And now you've lost that. So now look at them who learn from you and return to that. Well, what does Paul use to motivate Well, Paul doesn't, doesn't use Pictures. He doesn't go, look at the children in Jerusalem. The sentimental music behind them, behind the you know. Doesn't use stats. He doesn't go out of them and go, you know what, Corinth? <laughs> you are the one percent. Jerusalem's a ninety-nine, and you, you gotta. No. Paul uses what Paul is centered on and what he always uses the gospel because what Paul is concerned about is not the budget he's concerned about the heart of the Corinthians so Paul in verse 9 of chapter 8 says for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. See, giving is never is not about the budget. It's always about the heart. Jesus, whenever Jesus talked about money, he always related to the heart, saying, when he says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will follow. So it was a heart issue that Paul was dealing with with the Corinthians. And what he wanted to do was re-excite Their joy in the gospel, in Christ. Remind them of the grace of God in Jesus. And what that will do is, that will overflow in providing for the other church in partnership in the gospel. See, Paul is putting the generous grace of God as their motivation and our motivation. Jesus, he says, who is rich in heaven, Jesus said, God became poor for our sake for us we might become rich now he's not talking monetarily he's talking what Ephesians talks about that we have all the heavenly blessings which we now possess as Christians we have not yet seen it fully however and he did it Jesus did this by giving us himself On the cross. That generosity. That generosity. Is what must resonate in our hearts. Paul actually elaborates this. On this in Philippians. He says. Have this mind among yourselves. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God. Did not count equality with God. A thing to be grasped. But emptying himself. By taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. what Paul's getting at. We must saturate ourselves in the truth of what God has done and in who we are as sinners. See, much of the problem when we, can get, ap- when we get apathetic or we can start complaining about the church or we can start losing a generous heart either giving our money, our time, or our energy, because those are the three things that we value pretty hardcore, money, time, and energy? It's usually because we lost sight of the gospel. And, and it, goes from become, it goes from being a thing of that we get to do to being a thing that we have to do or we ought to do. When we understand the gospel. We're saturated in who God is, what he's done for us. When we're thinking through the truths of the gospel into our own heart and our own lives... Not just assuming it, not just reading it as a little verse on a mug and walking off, but actually sitting in the truth of it. Sitting in 2 Corinthians 5.21 and meditating on it and being exposed to who we were and who we are now in Christ and what God has done for us and how he's loved us and pursued us and chased after us. Oh man. That wrecks us and motivates us at the same time. We start going, Oh, okay, yeah, I know Jesus. Yes, I know the gospel. Yes, in this church, all they ever talk about is the the gospel. When are we going to get beyond that? Never. We will never exhaust that. We must saturate ourselves in that truth. We must saturate ourselves in the truth of what God has done in our lives. If we don't, then our giving, our generosity of our time, our money, and our energy will usually be motivated by three, one, of, one of three things, or all three. Guilt, greed, duty. Well, I feel bad, and I guess I should give. I mean, that's not what Paul said. Paul didn't go, you guys are awful, Corinthians. Corinthians. Uh, you are living your comfortable Corinthian life and just going about it and you don't even understand the gospel, obviously. It doesn't do that. And the, and the Corinthians are not going, oh, I guess we better write a check. That's right. I don't know if they had checks back then. But I guess I better get a stone. don't know what they had. Coins. Or greed. I mean, you sometimes see this with the so-called prosperity gospel. Like how Piper puts it, he calls it so called because it's not really the gospel, so it's a so called prosperity gospel. You, you know, it's greed. It's you give God a 20, he'll give you back a 50. It's like God's in a weird pyramid system or something, and you give God that, and he'll, man, he'll. Well, there is truth that God will overflow you with blessing as you are generous, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to overflow your bank account. Or duty, and this one's the one that I think I, I get myself caught up into the most, and it's the one that I think a lot of us can. I, we give our money, in particular, online. It's set up once a month. I don't have to think about it. It's just what we do. So, if I'm honest, I'm not even sure I can tell you what day it's taken out. And so it's not an act, not necessarily. It's, I'm convicted right now as I'm thinking about it. It's not an act of worship. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like going to continue doing that. But it's not, it's, an act of, it's not an act of worship. It's just an act of, well, it's in there. I don't have to think about it. And that's just an act of duty at times. Paul wants us to be amazed at who God is and be inspired by that to push forward. See, greed will only last until you're not guilty. I mean, guilt will only last as your motivation until you're not guilty anymore, whatever standard you have. Greed will only last up until uh, the return is not as expected. And duty will only last until we think we're done with it. Paul addresses actually the heart that's motivated by just duty. He says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. He says that in chapter 9. However, if we have the gospel before us, guys, and giving is an act of partnership in the gospel. I'm giving, and I'm giving my time, my energy, I'm giving my money because I want the gospel to move forward. I'm amazed at the generous God who has saved me, and I want to partnership and see more lives transformed. I want another hungover college kid to come in, hear the gospel, be transformed, be raised up by the body, and then be sent out nine years later as a church planner. That's what I want to participate in. So I get to participate in that work. I don't have to. I get to. God calls me into partnership to proclaim his kingdom, to proclaim his good news. To put forth his son. I get to be part of it. And we can do that. We, we, can, we can pray for God to give us this motivation. as an act of grace. We pray for God to give us this motivation. By first going to the word. And man, saturating ourselves in the truth of the gospel. sitting and being amazed over and over again that the creator of the universe, who we have sinned against and rebelled against daily, loves us, pursues us, sent his son, God himself in the flesh, second person of the Trinity, came down, lived the life we were called to live, died the death we deserve, he died for us so that we could be brought into his family, we could be adopted into his family. That we must sit in, and we must not let this thing become boring to us. We must feast on it, because here's where we find Jesus. We must pray for God to illuminate our hearts and minds to his truth, and we must actually think about what it means in our life. Not just take it as some theory or some cool cliche or some coffee mug. But take it as this is for us. This is what God has done for me. And we remember what God has done in our lives in the gospel. When's the last time you thought about your testimony? Now you're new to church here's what testimony means means your story of when you came to know jesus i remember someone asked me when i first became a christian what's your testimony i was like like in the court of law like what but then i remember someone you know like what's your testimony well how did you meet jesus how did god transform you and i was like oh okay so when's the last time you thought about when god transformed your life when's the last time you thought about that moment when or maybe moments over a period of time, as God broke you over your sin, showed you your need for Jesus, when's the last time you thought about it? And maybe you're a new Christian, like I think about it every day. This is all new. It's like a new car. I still have the new car smell. Maybe you've been, in, maybe you've been a Christian for years and years, and you go, I haven't thought about it recently. That new car smell worn off. And it was true for me. I mean, I, this week alone, think about how God used this church, how the gospel used, how, how the gospel was transformed my life through God's use of this church. Man, it was afresh a this whole week. Just crying and amazed and worshiping God. So when's the last time you sat down and thought about it? How about this one? When's the last time you listened to, to the stories from others? So when I was a new Christian, I learned what I learned once I learned what testimony meant. It takes a while to learn ease. I'm still... I'm still, I think, a lesson too. Um, But once I learned, man, when I was at the well, I would be like, every person came in, hey, tell me your testimony. Can I, tell me your testimony. Oh, what's your testimony? It wasn't because I was trying to be like Christian, whatever that means, a little Christianese. It was because I, I was amazed at what God had done in my life and I wanted to hear about it in other people's lives. Die died for me. you died for you. Tell me how it happened for you. How did you figure, how did, how did God show you that? Oh my gosh. Just share it. I don't do that as much anymore. But I should. We need to listen to the stories of others. So if you're in a community group, this week I challenged first service, man, go around the room and just share your testimony. And, 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 and be amazed no matter what your testimony is. Lauren, sometimes he goes, oh, I have a boring testimony compared to yours. I ain't coming hungover. Boring testimonies are good. I'm praying for a boring testimony for my kids. <laughs> my daughter's a Cowboys fan, so she's already backsliding, so we're working on that. But. All testimonies, all stories of how God saved you are stories of miracles. I don't care if you came in drug addicted, you're just right here on the corner selling drugs and walked in and got saved, or if you were raised from inside the church, you were actually born in the West Wing and you haven't been in West Springs forever. And there was a moment where God took you from a worshiper of self where you were like, self, self, self. To where all of a sudden, Jesus is my all. There was a new life that came inside. Share it. Be amazed by it. Tell it to others. Ask others to share it with you. That's how we build each other up. And your partnership really is no different with church planting. So when we see ourselves as part of the ongoing movement of God through the spreading of the gospel oh man we got to be part of an epic story you know the word epic has been overused and over recently by mostly teenagers um, everything's epic I've noticed I noticed this on Facebook but um, I, mean, I mean it's like hey I just ate a donut and it was epic the iPhone is epic I stubbed my toe and the pain is epic. <laughs> Everything's epic. So then I guess nothing's epic. And I think we, we sometimes lose this idea of greatness and what epic means. But when we sit at the gospel and we understand the truths that are eternal, man, the giant Super Bowl win, thats not epic. Because we're already forgetting about that the name of Jesus being saved and given a new life in him, being able to tell others about his name and see their lives transform, man, 10 million years from now, we're still going to be going, that's epic! We're still going to be proclaiming his name! 10 billion years from now, we will still be proclaiming the name Jesus. And we're invited into his story. We're loved by him and sent out by him To proclaim his name. That's epic. That's what we must be overwhelmed by. That's what we must be awed by. That's what must motivate this partnership. So let me. Plea with you guys. Desert Springs. We have felt the act of grace towards us. Redemption Church and your time, your energy, and your money, and your prayers. Let it continue. Man, let it continue, whether it's North Africa, or it's another church plant somewhere, maybe Clovis, or Portalis, or Las Cruces. That's an act of grace to go to Cruces, but... <laughs> Just continue. Man. A few years from now, I have another guy up here saying, thank you. I'm going to miss you. With their little logo on their shirt, whatever memo designs for them, and (laughs) redemption, Las Cruces. I don't know what it's called. But let it continue. Let this joy of seeing the gospel go out even when it hurts. Man, just knowing, man, this is... This isn't something we have to do. It's something we get to do. So let me close with this a few questions for you guys. To take with you. I've kind of gone over them already, but just think through these. When's the last time you thought about the grace of God, the gospel transformation that happened in your life? Talk about it today. And when have you asked others about their testimony, the story of their salvation? Maybe you don't believe, maybe you're like, I don't, Lois, I don't have a testimony. I I don't even know who Jesus is. I'm in here and someone tricked me. I thought it was a movie theater and. (laughs) Well, everything I just talked about doesn't apply to you yet. But if you are to actually take that truth that Jesus, though he was rich in heaven became poor, lived the life we were called to live, died the death we deserved because we were sinners and rebels to God. He sacrificed himself on the cross, rose three days later, gives us his life that was perfect. So God sees us. He loves us as fiercely as he loves Jesus, the God the Father. If you believe that and believe that today, you've got testimony. Yes, so much more. Another question is giving something you have to do or get to do. I'm talking about giving your money, giving your time, giving your energy to the church and to the furthering of the gospel. Something you have to do, well, oh, that's what we do. We're Christians, you do that. And, or something, oh my gosh, something I get to do. And now, if you're already angry that we've been talking about money, you might have already answered that question. Something you have to do or something you get to do? Finally, this is kind of selfish. Will you remember to pray for us at redemption? I've been a member of one church. I've been an elder of one church. A lot of us have that same story. Pray for us. Pray that we would, as you pray for Desert Springs, have Jesus centered in who we are. That we would proclaim the gospel boldly and faithfully. That we would see lives transformed by the gospel. <clears throat> and we would continue this work that you guys have sent us to do. That you would hear reports back, as, the, as we see in this, the Jerusalem church Macedonian church you hear the Rio Rancho church and reports of God's grace flowing through us so I want to do something different for how we're going to close today with our prayer let us us Redemption Church pray our prayer of thanksgiving to you Desert Springs Church let us pray over you As we get sent out by you. Uh, So I'm going to ask all of Redemption Church to stand. We love you guys. We know that we're going to partner in many ways, we're going to miss you guys.